Welcome to Corpus Christi Anglican Church. I'm Morgan, our planting clergy. Our vision of this church is to become a common people in common prayer for uncommon transformation. This podcast is where you will hear our sermons and other teachings that have happened at Corpus Christi. We primarily serve the region of Springfield, Franconia, and Kingstown. We're glad that you're here. Thanks for taking time to listen. Here's the message. Uh, Well, Merry Christmas again to you, everybody. It is really great to worship with you tonight. Um, I'm the vicar here at Corpus Christi Anglican Church. My name is Father Morgan Reed. As we look together at the book of Isaiah tonight, uh, let me pray for us. In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I have a question for the kids tonight. Kids, um, how many of you, and you can raise your hand, you're among friends. How many of you have ever had a time where you felt scared in the dark? It's okay. Have you ever felt scared in the dark? I know I have. No? Okay. Good. All right. Now, how many of you would be brave enough to share with us a time that you remember where you were scared in the dark? Does anybody want to share? Anybody so brave? Clara, would you share with us? That's a handy dandy thing to have. Night lights can help us in the dark, huh? Peter, do you want to share one too? Yeah, it's always at night, isn't it? When we wake up and we think that things are just, you know, creeping around in the room, it can be scary. That's good. Well, that's helpful too. You can stand here with me, bud. That's okay. Um, and so when I was thinking about one very scary night that I had, uh, there was one night where I had to drive home in a thunderstorm. It was this dark, hot, stormy night in Texas. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and I was on this particular highway that didn't have any street lights on it out in Texas in the dark in the summer. Off in the distance, I had seen this huge flash of lightning, and I saw one big drop of rain hit my windshield, and then I saw another drop of rain hit my windshield, and another, and then all of a sudden, the sky had just burst open, and I was stuck there on the road in the pouring rain. So... After a while, my windshield wipers couldn't even keep up with the rain, and the humidity that was happening was 
so bad that my windshield was starting to actually frost up on the inside. So I was just kind of stuck. I couldn't see the lines in the road in front of me that had divided the highway, so I didn't even know if I was on the right side of the road. It was terrifying. I couldn't see the the brakes of the car in front of me, uh, the brake lights. It was one of the scarier moments of driving in my life. And finally, I decided this is too much. I'm going to hit my flashers. I pull off to the side of the road, and I just sat there, and I waited the storm out. After a few minutes, the rain did actually start to ease up a bit, and I could finally see clearly where my headlights were starting to illuminate the the road that was out in front of me. I could see the car in front of me again, and the lines on the road that actually divided the highway, which was super helpful. Uh, I was able finally to make it home. I was really shaken, but I was safe. And it was a reminder to me of, of how paralyzing the darkness can be. I'm normally a pretty good driver. I don't mind the rain. But this was terrifying. Darkness, when we look at scripture, darkness is often used as an analogy for the ways that humanity as a whole, people as individuals are lost in this world without the hope of Jesus Christ. We're held captive in our rebellion, in our sin. We're just groping around in the darkness, looking for a way out, for things that can help us to try and escape, but nothing is satisfactory. But the hope of Christmas, this feast day, is that in in our darkness, love and light came down to us in the person of Jesus Christ. That's why we have the Christ candle lit during this season. Chapter 8 of Isaiah, we read chapter 9 today, but if you were to go back a chapter, it's all about the Assyrians taking over the northern kingdom of Israel and the devastation that was going to follow after that takeover. And as we enter chapter 9 together, part of the north, the northern kingdom had already been overrun by the Assyrians. So when the king of Assyria, the guy named Tiglath-Pileser III, it's a great name, When he took over the northern parts of Israel, he had actually divided that region up into three different parts. And he put his own governors over that region. Those three regions corresponded to what we read in Isaiah chapter 9. The first had been called Megiddo, which corresponds to um, the Galilee of the Gentiles. It was in the northern part. The second region was called Dur, and it was along the coast that would correspond to the way of the sea that we read about in Isaiah 9. The third region was called Gilead. That would correspond to the area across the Jordan uh, that we read about in Isaiah chapter 9. And those three regions had originally belonged to two tribes in Israel. They had belonged to Zebulun and Naphtali, who we read about. So in this passage, Zebulun and Naphtali are sitting in darkness under Assyrian oppression. To them... Isaiah says in verse 2, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them the light has shone. And as I had mentioned last week, there's a way that these prophecies in Isaiah have a near referent, and they also have a far referent. And there was hope for the overthrow of Assyria, but Israel would never quite be the same after that. And in this prophecy even as it's edited in this larger book of Isaiah, actually has further implications and further applications than just for the north. It's, it's even beyond the southern kingdom of Judah. 
And what may have been true nationally for a people was actually spiritually true for all of humanity. We sit in darkness. We're longing for help. We were made in the image of God to be in relationship with God, to be in right relationship with one another, to reflect God's glory. We were made to be icons of God. But each one of us has fallen far from that. And we've, we've made false gods to reflect ourselves, to reinforce narratives of the good life that we've created. We surround ourselves with people who will also reinforce those narratives of the good life. And try as we might, the false gods and the false narratives, um, even with those things, we, we are all broken and we're separated from the love of God. But in this feast, what we celebrate is that the light of the world has come down to shine light into the darkness, into the dark places, to heal those places that were broken, to make us new. We long for God's peace. And in this child, there's hope that peace is here, that love has come to us. Sin is that thing that is just constantly reminding us of how broken we are. It robs us of hope. It robs us of who God has created us to to be. And it has no power because of this child whose weapon wasn't a sword. His weapon was a cross. In the early third century, there's a North African uh, church, church father... Um, I use that word loosely. His name is Tertullian, and and he talks about this passage, and he says, Likewise, Isaiah also says, For unto us a child is born. But what is there unusual in this? Unless he speaks of the Son of God, to us is given he whose government is upon his shoulder. Now what king is there who bears the ensign of his dominion upon his shoulder, not rather upon his head as a diadem? Or on his hand as a scepter, or else as a mark in some royal apparel. But the the one new king of the new ages, Jesus Christ, carried on his shoulder both the power and the excellence of his new glory, even his cross. So that according to our former prophecy, he might thenceforth reign from the tree as Lord. And I love the ways that this this icon, um, it's called the glucophilusa in Greek. It's, you're welcome. Um, this, uh, this icon, it illustrates the hope that it is found in this child. And here we have the, the Virgin Mary who's holding the Christ child in her right arm, presenting him with her left arm to those who are viewing the icon. At the same time, she's praying for all of mankind. And this particular icon, usually um, when, when we find it, it has an inscription, Mater Theu Episcopsis, which is the, the mother of God, the protector. Mother of God, the protector, because, um, because of her role as a protector, somebody who is praying for mankind. Also in this, you can see her as a protector, protecting her son. As she pleads for the salvation of humanity um, to her son who's listening to her. There's light and there's peace for humankind in this little child. Because God himself came to rescue humanity from the darkness of their sins. And as I think about one of the, just one of the many implications of, of the birth of our Lord. I think about the ways that this child pushes back against our desire to want to be great. The Prince of Peace, the light in the darkness, was born for us to die for us. 
And there's a lot of pressure in, in this world, in this culture, to, to focus on how much we make, our status, even our impact, um, and what we have. But sharing the light of Christ happens one person at a time with no partiality. It's, it's in the person that you talk to at the coffee shop. It's in the person that you meet on the street. It's your coworker. Sometimes the most challenging person to share the love of Christ with are those closest to you in your own household. It, it requires of us to be present to whoever God puts in front of us. As we follow Christ, we are invited to share in the ministry of illuminating dark places. It can happen with a large platform with many followers, but for most of us, that's not going to be the case. And it shouldn't actually be our aim for that to be the case. Uh, Following Jesus is a one person at a time kind of life of discipleship. It's a one person at a time kind of life of discipleship. Jesus is our wonderful counselor. He's our mighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace, whose weapon for war was a cross of wood. His kingdom is eternal and it comes in humility. His unassuming servanthood is how his kingdom comes and his light shines into the darkness. And so let's follow in that light together and let's share it with others. Because to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. Come, let's adore him. Let me pray for us. Almighty God, you have given your only begotten son to take our nature upon him. And to be born this day of a pure virgin. Grant that we who have been born again and made your children by adoption and grace may daily be renewed by your Holy Spirit. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with you and the same Spirit be honor and glory, now and forever. Amen.